Michigan absolutely stomped a mud hole in Ohio State. TCU leaves no doubt as they're headed to the Big 12 championship and maybe the playoff. Caleb Williams probably locked up the Heisman tonight, the number one uh, player in his class. What would you expect from a player who's dynamic since he's on the field? We're going to get to all of that. We're going to get to all of that, but this is College Fantasy Tonight presented by CampusCan.com. Might be the last episode of College Fantasy Tonight for the season. If you like what we're doing, go ahead and subscribe to the channel and drop a like for this video. We start every College Fantasy Tonight with a rundown that we can hear the music in my ears. There you go. Entire show. We're going to be covering it all. The aforementioned Ohio State Buckeyes, Matthew, down uh, 23, Michigan 45 in the horseshoe. Ohio State living dangerously with zero coverage, one eye all day. JJ McCarthy takes advantage of it. Uh, If you're going to go zero coverage, you better get home with the pressure. They weren't able to on several occasions today, and that's ultimately why they lost. Yeah, uh, they, interestingly enough, the way that that game turned out was, um, I don't, it was a very good game in the first half. Uh, And they were getting home on J.J. McCarthy, as you mentioned. I believe he actually started out the game like three of nine uh, because they they blitzed him on the first drive a couple times. He threw an incompletion, incompletion, almost threw an interception. But then turns it around, and 12 of 24, 263 yards, three touchdowns, has a rushing touchdown as well. I mean, look, props to J.J. McCarthy. They said they were going to make him beat him, and he did. You can say (laughs) what you want about him, you know, the throws being easy or all the crap I've seen on Twitter about he didn't have to do that. He did it, and that's all that matters. He went out there, he did it, he made the throws great touchdowns in there. I mean, I really think the player of the game has to go to Donovan Edwards. We we talked a lot about him on the Better Sports Show and Tailgate. There were talks that he may not even play. His hand was wrapped up pregame. Comes in there, 216 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. He actually, for those of you who don't know, has the longest play now in the game history with that 75-yard touchdown run. (laughs) And then wait, about five minutes later, beat that record with the 85-yard touchdown run. So he now owns... The two longest plays or biggest play records in the game history. Congratulations to him. Um, they didn't really need Blake Horn. You know, he tried to go out there and do something for him. They didn't need him. Donovan Blake Horn just two fantastic. carries in this one. Cornelius Johnson on the receiving end of yeah. two of those um, three. JJ McCarthy touchdowns. Cornelius Johnson. I think he's the, is he the transfer from Jackson State? Uh, four for one sixty and two. Um, I'm not going to make anything about J.J. McCarthy's play today because I'm going to be honest with you. I think that these are throws that a high school quarterback could make if if that quarterback was protected. When you're playing zero coverage and you don't have a safety back there, your cornerbacks can't guard the entire field for that long. And Jim Knowles asked his corners to do that on several occasions today. And those are some of the plays that that the Michigan Wolverines scored on in the running game. There were some plays where Donovan Edwards was finding wide open holes, not being touched. The two long touchdowns, I'm not sure that he was touched on either of those plays. It was just a race, and he won the race. So Michigan stomps a mud hole in Ohio State, but I don't know that I can make anything of those two players play. Either uh, uh, 
J.J. McCarthy throwing to players who are essentially wide open out there. And then Donovan Edwards with Blake Corum down. Donovan Edwards running through some wide open holes. There's no sec there's no second level there, and he's just racing for a touchdown. On the other hand, uh, C.J. Stroud, 31 for 48, 349 yards, two touchdowns. He also throws two interceptions, including one late. I think that he still would have been the number one quarterback in the 2022 class. I think he's going to be uh, the second quarter, the first or second quarterback taken in the 2023 class. I don't think it's out of the question that he's the first quarterback taken. Trip Trainum, remember his name, four for 14 for 83 with both Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson dinged up. Mayan Williams was in this one early, then appeared, appeared to leave. Mecca Abuka, nine catches, 125 yards, one touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., he should probably be the Belitnikov call for winner, seven for one, 20 and one. And Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming, allegedly. We should put allegedly before Julian Fleming's name. Does he really exist? Uh, five for 47 in this one, Matthew. That's uh, now Ohio State just waits to see if, they, if they're going to make the playoff with that. They're not going to make the playoffs. And, and then let's be honest, they don't deserve to be in there. We've seen. This has happened to them before. Obviously, not necessarily in the Ryan Day era. It did happen last year against Michigan. They've not had that massive loss like this that kept them out of uh, the playoffs. They were practically, at least in my opinion, out after the loss to Oregon last year. It's happened in the Urban Meyer era. This was a beatdown, and I think you could make an excuse for it if you wanted to at the CFP committee if it was in Michigan. But Michigan came into your house, did that to you without arguably their best player in Blake Corum being injured. You had the quote-unquote Heisman front runner, and he did nothing. Like, I know that he had 380 yards passing. That was, I would, uh, as as my, my good friend Ray calls it, zero calorie yards. Like, that was not, that most of that did not matter. It was in the second half when Michigan was already handedly winning this game. Because at that point, maybe it's just the eternal pessimist in me. When they scored that touchdown to go up 24, I was already thinking the game was over because Ohio State just did not – they were getting pushed and bullied around off the ball at the line of scrimmage. It was a bad game overall for them. I don't think that they get in. Even if, if USC or TCU loses, I, I honestly think they, they might jump Alabama over Ohio State. Well, you had LSU lose today, so they're not going to be in. USC wins, and if they went out, they're going to be in. It's going to be TCU, Michigan, and Georgia. That's your four. It's probably between Ohio State and USC, just determining if USC gets a, another loss on their record. A team that got another loss today is Clemson. Clemson 30, South Carolina 31. The Spencer Rattler experience really is something else. He throws a big six early. Clemson line after Jeremiah Trotter. Eagles fans will remember uh, that name. Will Shipley, long run on a read option. Get the run game going. DJU, this is a team that no longer passes the ball. Uh, well, DJU, 8 for 29 for 99 yards. He also had 12 for 51 and a, a touchdown. Just really can't trust him at all. Let's see next season if they go to the uh, true freshman, Clay Klubnik. Spencer Rattler, again, throws an interception uh, in the red zone. They're at the one-yard line and throws an uh, interception in the end zone. You thought that it would uh, be all Clemson from there, but no, they come back. They come strong back. Spencer Rattler, 25-39, 360 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He was good from that point forward. Jaheim Bell, Matthew, probably a Jalen Samuels type the tight end goes to running back nine for 29 and one. He has two two receptions for two yards. And then Antoine Wells Jr., the transfer from James Madison. James Madison also having a great season. Nine for 130 and two. 
I mean, why not Spencer Rattler for the QB three in, in this class? You know, I honestly think he's going to be put in some kind of discussion right now after these two amazing performances. We've seen that the NFL draft community is kind of wavering on a lot of these quarterbacks. You know, we've seen Hendon Hooker. Now, all of a sudden, all these draft nicks are coming around to what we've been saying all season long. It's a little bit of a gimmicky offense. A lot of this stuff is scheme. You know, who's probably, I think, going to jump up into that third spot is a guy you have been talking about a lot, and that's Anthony Richardson with all of the rumors coming out that he's going to go to the NFL. But I do think Spencer Rattler's got a shot to be drafted in the second round with the way that he has played here at the back end of this season. We already knew he had the tools. There's obviously a lot of questions about, you know, possible attitude or whatever. But if he goes to the combine, plays really well, um, does end up doing really well in the interviews, which I know is a big part for the NFL as well, I would not be surprised if he's a day two pick. It, He's got the tools. Like, it wouldn't really be that surprising to anybody if he goes to a team like, let's say, the Colts, and Matt Ryan gets hurt. He goes out there and actually starts winning and becomes their franchise quarterback. It would not be that insane. He's a talented quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him for sure. I mean, he's definitely got himself a lot of money after these past two weeks. He had a nice short touchdown run today where he had pressure come directly from the from the middle from Jeremiah Trotter who had the pick six uh, earlier in the season steps around him steps in the pocket and uh, runs for the touchdown we knew that Spencer Rattler had the tools so to speak he had them when he was like on QB1 he's had them this entire time he just needed to put it all together you would think that if he couldn't put it together with Lincoln Riley he wouldn't be able to put it together in South Carolina but hey here where we are you mentioned Anthony Richardson I just want to say I've been talking about Anthony Richardson for two years now I want him to go back to school I want him to go back to school and get enough year of development uh, under his belt at the collegiate level. See defenses, you know, work on his timing, all of that stuff. We'll see. One of the uh, accounts that you quote tweeted, it, it's a Twitter blue verified account. It's not, you know, the old Twitter verified. So we'll see if if Anthony Richardson's going to come back or if he's going to declare for the NFL draft. He, he does declare for the NFL draft. I mean, we're talking about a Colin Kaepernick floor if he can develop. I mean, he probably needs to go in the first round of dynasty rookie drafts. He will. That's just as long, uh, as, long as he goes in the first three rounds, he'll be a top twelve pick because of his rushing upside alone. Even if, even if people don't believe, like, look, I've jokingly said he's the next Taysom Hill. He's a better passer than Taysom Hill, and we've seen how, like, if we're being honest, we've seen how fantasy productive Taysom Hill has been. So you should be taking it. Anthony Richardson. He's better than Tim Tebow. He's a better yeah, player like, than Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, and, and, yeah. Like, I don't want to go off on a huge tangent here, but I actually kind of disagree with you on the Like, if he's getting first or second-round draft capital, I actually think it would behoove him to just go to the NFL because you're likely then having a team draft you that wants you. Why not go to a team that's going to then help develop you then? And pro- they're going to give you time. They're not going to draft him like, hey, you're starting day one. I think that they know he's got a little bit of time to develop as well. So if you go to a team that's going to draft you and then let you sit for a little bit and develop, I actually think that helps him more because then he's going to learn and develop with the staff that wants him, then possibly staying at Ford or transferring out and trying to develop there and then go on to the NFL. To me, it just makes more sense. If he's getting that kind of draft capital reports back to him, they say, hey, you're going to be a first or second round pick, then I think he should just go. I just think that there are too many examples of quarterbacks who declared for the NFL draft after after starting one year and then busting in the NFL. And I just don't want to see him bust. So uh, finishing out the Clemson side, Will Shipley at 15 carries for 132 yards, one touchdown. Bo Collins, again, not a lot of passing in this one. Bo Collins, two for 65. And Antonio Williams. 
freshman slot wide receiver punt returner that we're all very excited about. Just two catches in this one, but he does get in the end zone uh, for a touchdown. So uh, we've really got to see what happens to that uh, offense between this season and next season. Maybe they bring someone in. You got Jeff Grimes out there. You got Zach Kitley out there. Maybe is Clemson still a big time job? I know that Dabo Sweeney doesn't normally hire from outside. They're normally someone who they, they elevate internally, um, but they could use some added juice uh, to that team. Maybe they bring someone outside. They could really use it. Let's go to Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl. Auburn 27, Alabama 49. Uh, Auburn has a new head coach. Jameer Gibbs suits up and plays in this one. No questions about his toughness. We didn't know if he would actually play in this one. Bryce Young shows why he is at least a top two pick uh, in this draft, at least in my opinion. Has his second best rushing day of his career. If he's unlocked that way, where he's um, running the ball and not getting contact the way we've seen really from his high school days all the way back to modern day where he runs and doesn't get contact, Look out fantasy-wise, look out for his career because that added element to his game, it's it's really unstoppable when he decides to use it. Bryce Young, 20 for 30, 343 yards, three touchdowns, does have one interception. I had that second-best uh, rushing day, five for 48 and one touchdown. Jameer Gibbs did suit up, 17 for 76 and one touchdown, two receptions for eight yards. Is he going to play in the bowl game? Jace McClellan is back up four for uh, – 11 for 41. Jason McClellan has a decision to make. Will he declare for the NFL draft or will he come back to be the starter for Alabama? Trey Sanders uh, has already entered the transfer portal. Jermaine Burton, three for 87. Same question for Jermaine Burton. Does he decide to return for his senior year? Ja'Cory Brooks is kind of emerged as a go-to guy late in the season after being in the doghouse earlier in the season. Four for 76 and one. The freshman Isaiah Bond seems to have taken the lead of bit there uh four for 36 four receptions for 36 yards alabama has five pass catchers with over 300 yards and none with more than 550 so matthew i from this year to next year i'm not exactly sure how this wide receiver position is going to for a team that has some really really uh nice options over the last five years or so but i don't know who the go-to guy is in, in in this particular group yeah, I think the the big question will be is is can Malik Benson take over? I think he's the guy we're all excited about coming over from JUCO, the highest rated JUCO uh, player in the portal coming to Alabama. He's already committed there, you know. And we'll also have to wait to see who the quarterback is. I mean, I think if, if we're all being honest, if Jalen Milrow is given the first shot at starting, he's not quite the passer that we. He's probably no. not even the passer that Jalen Hurts was when he started at Alabama. So you're not going to see any of these wide receivers putting up points and. We haven't seen enough of Ty Simpson for me to say that he would even necessarily be able to elevate any of those guys. I think we might see a, another run of this. We've seen the, the two years here of Bryce Young at Alabama where he just distributes the ball, and that's what he is great at. I mean, you mentioned him being a top-two pick. I honestly think he goes ahead of C.J. Stroud. He just brings something different with his ability to buy time and make plays that they, they – if you watch any of the broadcasts, they always call him the magician because of the way he's just able to get away from defenders. You, I, I talked this morning about how you mentioned Cam Ward is like chasing a squirrel. I, I don't think that Bryce Young is that much different. He's just very good at eluding yeah. these defenders, and he gets the ball off, and I do think NFL teams will value that despite how small he's likely going to measure in at. Wouldn't be surprised if he's the top QB taken because, again, I know Alabama's lost two games, but if you put Bryce Young on Ohio State and C.J. Stroud on Alabama – 
I think Alabama's probably lost three or four games, and maybe Ohio State wins that game today. Like, there's just a difference. It doesn't seem like much, but there is a difference. They're very different players. We need to keep things clean for C.J. Stroud for him to operate at his best. Uh, Cam Ward will scramble around and then throw the ball, uh, you know, two yards down the field. Bryce Young does the same thing and then throws the ball uh, downfield vertically. Doesn't have the vertical threat that he had last year in Jameson Williams. Let's see if he gets one of those at the NFL so that he could really um, develop with. On the Auburn side, Jarquez Hunter is your leading rusher, 11 for 34. Uh, their second leading rusher is actually uh, Robbie Ashford, 17 for 121 and two on the ground. If if Hugh Freeze can develop him in, a, in the passing game, he's at least going to be a very nice fantasy option. Tank Bigsby, 15 for 43 in this one. Hopefully we've seen the last of Tank Bigsby uh, in Auburn. I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't even play in the bowl game. Alabama, we're waiting to see if Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, Will Anderson, will they play in the remaining, in the last game of the season? Something we're going to wait and see. Yeah, you, uh, you mentioned Tank Bigsby really quick in the bowl game. I actually think uh, if you – I know you caught some of the tailgate this morning. Based on the rumors that Barnabas is hearing about Jameer Gibbs getting first-round draft capital, I don't think he's going to play in the bowl game. I think at that point you just sit and get ready for the combine there, buddy. Yeah, don't don't risk it. Please do not risk it, Gibbs. How, how is that? You know, this – this show and this company kind of started, I say it started with, at least with Debbie Debate, our group uh, meeting each other and the focuses of conversation, B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby, now Jameer Gibbs. We said it, we said it, potential first round draft pick and maybe he gets, uh, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can be a first round NFL draft pick, then Jameer Gibbs can be a first round NFL draft pick. Let's hear. Let's go to Oregon. Oregon is this the uh, Civil War? Is Oregon is, Oregon State? They changed it, but I call it the Civil War still. That's what it's been for. What are they? they what PC it. term did they give it? Now? I don't remember. Don't I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> okay. Much like Austin won't change the Red River Shootout, I won't change the Civil yeah. War. It's the Civil yeah. War. Yeah. Uh, Oregon thirty-four. Oregon State thirty-eight. The Pac-12. They just can't have nice things. Crabs in a barrel. Uh, is the Pac-12 going to be eliminated from the playoffs? Oregon State runs for 268 yards on Oregon, which isn't like a lot uh, to put up 38 points. Ben Branson only 6 for 13 for 60 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Let's watch out for Aiden Childs coming to Oregon State next year. A friend of the show, Kent Damian Martinez, Paces the team and carries uh, 15 for 103. You probably started him in your championship game. Jam Griffin is the second leading rusher, 8 for 75, over to the Oregon side. Bo Nix didn't get the win, but he does get you fantasy points. 27-41, 327 yards, two touchdowns, no inter- interceptions. You probably started his uh, receiver, leading receiver, Troy Franklin, 8 for 78 and one touchdown in this one. Bucky Irving. I don't know when Bucky Irving is is eligible for the draft, but he's a player that I want to pay attention to because of his dual skill set. Fifteen for thirteen for fifty two in this one. Uh, five receptions for twenty six yards. Noah Winnington actually leads the team and carries sixteen for eighty one. USC Matthew is locked into the Pac twelve championship game, and then Washington is in if they defeat Washington State. That is going on right now. Yeah, and if they don't. Oregon will be going in and getting another shot there. You are getting a shot at USC because they have not played this year. Uh, right now, Washington is down. So we'll see what happens as we get closer to the end of this show. But it, it's going to, 
let's be honest as we're about to get to that USC game with the way they played tonight against a very good Notre Dame defense. I don't know that the Ducks stand much of a shot. Dan Lanning was just way too aggressive in this one. For, for, for those of you who were not able to watch this, it was 31-10 going into the third quarter. Dan Lanning started going for it on fourth downs. He had a couple of questionable play calls, got some turnovers from Bo Nix with a fumble on the snap. Oregon State gets back in this game. They end up winning the game. You mentioned Ben Goldbrantz in just six attempts. He actually had one pass attempt in the entire second half of this game. They were just running the ball and playing really good defense. It's a very good team. And you mentioned Aiden Childs, who is one of our favorite quarterbacks. Here. He's fairly highly ranked for all of us. Like, Again, I mentioned it when we did our freshman stuff. I would not be surprised if he starts as a freshman. And Oregon State is going to be a dangerous team. Jonathan Smith, former player there, coaching this team. They were good last year, didn't quite get the wins. I mean, they're going to be in a high bowl game this year. It's just a very good, very technically sound, well-coached team. I'm excited to see what the Beavers can do over the next couple of years. All right, let's move on here. That's going to be a very interesting Pac-12 uh, championship game. If it's Washington, if it's Oregon, if it's Utah, Utah has a chance uh, to be in it too. Um, Iowa State 14, TCU 62. TCU knows that you all don't believe in them, and they're saying we aren't going to leave any doubt uh, headed into the Big 12 championship. 62 to 14 is shellacking of Iowa State. Listen, I apologize on Hunter Decker's uh, 12 for 24 in this one. Just 100. We're talking about some bad quarterback play so far today. Ben Gilbrandt, 99 yards uh, or 60 yards. DJ Wiyunglele, 99 yards. Hunter Decker's 106 yards. One touchdown, uh, one interception. Six carries for zero yards. Again, I apologize. We are paying attention to Cartavius Norton, the freshman there. 12 pitches or 12 carries, 170. Let's start over. Let's start for Cartavius Norton is a freshman that we need to be paying attention to. Uh, we knew that he would go into the season starting. He gets injured early on. He's kind of retaking that role now. 12 carries for 71 yards. No touchdowns. He does have one reception for 23 yards. Xavier Hutchinson. The NFL combine might be next for him. Just two catches for 11 yards in this one. Jalen Noel think that he could be the main wide receiver in this offense next year in 2023 doesn't matter it's not sure different player than uh, Xavier Hutchinson very much a field structure in the 2-2 Atwell Calvin Austin spectrum he's that type of player seven receptions for 40 yards in this one uh, Matthew is there any pieces of this offense that you want I think that you want to have Noel rostered I think that you want to have Norton rostered but uh, anything else I'm probably staying away from yeah, definitely Norton, just based on the history of what Matt Campbell and these uh, the Iowa State team has been able to do with these running backs. David Montgomery, Brees Hall, Norton very much in that mold and has looked good. As you mentioned, the injury early on probably derailed him from having a really good season because he's looked good these past couple games. I'm with you on rostering, Noel. I kind of want to wait. Let's see what you know, Hunter Deckers in this offense can kind of build upon. It's definitely been a weird year for them. I watched a lot of this game. Seemed to be a lot of miscommunication, just bad ball starting. And it's one of those games where we've talked about this before. When things just start crashing down for you, it just all comes crumbling. It's not a little bit by little bit. It's just once a couple things happen, you could definitely see in that second half, like Iowa State just kind of, they seem to lose all hope and things kind of came crashing down. Deckers, while bad today, it's not been as bad as he showed in that second half. It, we'll see what happens. I mean, this has always kind of been a running first offense, so I would roster Noel's, but if it's Norton that I would be the guy like I would want to probably start going into next year. 
a lot of talk about quarterbacks who's, who are starting for the first uh, time this year, and Hunter Deckers is one hefty lefty there. On the TCU side, this one wasn't that difficult. Then Cameron Miller had 72 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, one reception for 12 yards. Max Duggan, you probably rode him uh, to the championship in some of your C2C leagues. 17 for 24, 212 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Doesn't have the rushing performance that we've seen in previous uh, uh, games. Three carries for three yards. Amani Bailey, might he be the next man up? Should Kendry Miller declare? I think we need to pay attention to that. That's going to be a valuable position in Sunny Dykes' offense. No Quentin Johnston in this one, still dealing with the ankle injury. And TCU is going to have either uh, Kansas State or Texas. Kansas State, I don't, I don't have it in front of me if they won or if that game is over. Um, if Kansas State won, then Kansas State is in the Big 12 championship. And it'll be at AT&T Stadium, uh, Kansas State and TCU. Kansas State um, did win 47-27. So then, it, then, then it's final. Uh, TCU in Kansas State in the championship in the Big Twelve championship game. NC State that's uh that's the Cowboys Stadium, right? They don't call that it is correct. Jerry, Jerry World. That is Jerry World. Jerry World. Here Jerry World. Good old Jerry. Good old Jerry. Uh he had a he had a interesting week, didn't he? Um all right, let's that go here he to did. Notre Dame and USC. Uh this one is not as close as it looks. Notre Dame 27, USC 38. Caleb Williams, he locked up the Heisman. Very efficient day, 18 for 22, 232 yards, one touchdown, no interception, but it's what he did on the ground today. Uh, Nine for 35 and three touchdowns. Austin Jones, the Stanford transfer. Matt, you are a one-time fan of uh, Austin Jones. 25 carries, 154 yards. He also has uh, one catch for 16 yards on the ground. Jordan Addison doesn't have the week that he had last week. Three receptions for 45 yards and no touchdowns, but he does get a rush for 13 yards. He's going to be a top 15 NFL draft pick, maybe to Chicago. I would like him in Chicago. Um, well, yeah, that's your, that's that's it for, for yeah, USC. Uh, um, Matthew, Caleb Williams is going to be your Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about this last week. He needed to go out there and have this game against Notre Dame, and, and I don't think it matters now with what we talked – it mattered what happened in the game. We saw, unfortunately, Blake Corum wasn't able to play, which I think probably ruined his shot. Again, if he'd gone out there and done the Donovan Edwards thing, we might be having some discussion here. But we're not. C.J. Stroud, good game statistically, but not a good game overall. Caleb has locked this up. There's no shot it goes to anybody else. I don't think that there should even be other finalists. I think I don't think that they should even have they I mean, just do... Let, let's just be honest. So who would it even be? It's going to be CJ and who? CJ like, Stroud, who knows he's not going to win. Exactly. Do they even want to go to new? Like, I don't even accept the invitation. I'm like, just let Caleb go and get his award. Like, I don't, there's no I, point in going. I have, so this is, if I had to bet who the finalists are, there's, is there, is there ever just two? I don't think so. No, it's always It's got to be at least three. I have no three. idea who the third would be. I, I think that they could give Will Anderson like a lifetime achievement award and have him go to uh, uh, New York for the ceremony. But I cannot like I have no idea who that uh, that third third finalist or fourth finalist would be for that matter. Uh, on to the Notre Dame side. Uh, Audric estimate. I think we underestimated um, that he would be a, a critical 
part of the Notre Dame rushing attack. He had six carries for 43 yards in this one. Logan Diggs, Diggs has 12 for 34. Chris Tyree. I had Chris Tyree in the top 15 of my running back rankings. I thought that he would be the next uh, Kyron Williams. There's two for 24 in this one. Michael Mayer. Now, when I compared Michael Mayer to one, um, uh, your boy Kyle Pitts last year, I was mocked and ridiculed. He's going to be a top 15 draft pick, eight for 98, two touchdowns in this one. Uh, Colsey has three catches for 75 yards and one contested catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Lo- Lo- uh, uh, Lorenzo Styles, who we were also very high on, just, oh, I just lost it. Uh, four for 34 in this one. If they, if Notre Dame had a better passing game, uh, Lorenzo Styles might be a little bit better, but, uh, you know, Season is what it is. Matthew, there's Notre Dame still has some intriguing options going into 2023. Yeah, I mean, they, they still have a very good run game. They're bringing in some wide receivers here. They just landed a very highly rated quarterback, not just in the services by us as well at Camps Kenton and Kenny Minchie, who flipped from Pitt. There's a lot to look forward for for Notre Dame. I mean, it was not a great game today, but Drew Pine is, is not a starter in college he, he is a backup quarterback which is where he was behind tyler buckner and you, you see that at times like he has these great moments but as they illustrated on the game he locks in a little bit too much to michael mayer at times he missed some wide open wide receivers in this game had a late throw over the middle to lorenzo styles that caused probably the game ceiling interception like he just makes some bad plays we'll, we'll see what happens with Notre dame it's definitely a much different i think feeling coming into bowl season because they will make a bowl compared to what it was earlier in the season when they started out zero and three and there were people already calling for marcus freeman to possibly be fired i feel like they've turned that around they still have i believe a top five recruiting class so things are still looking up for notre dame it's a first year away from brian kelly you know i will be the first one. maybe i underestimated the impact brian kelly really had on that program with what he's done with lsu uh and they needed a little bit of time to kind of build back up and get ready for the next uh next tenure I didn't realize that Notre Dame was a ranked team. I looked up and they were the 15 team in the country. Didn't even realize that they had climbed all the way back. Good for Marcus Freeman in his first year. It started really, really rocky. Uh, that is the end of the rundown. Um, we normally go to the G5 minute. We're going to skip the G5 minute for today. We are in championship week. If you are uh, watching us for the first time, in campus to Canton leagues, you play a college fantasy season the entire season, and when your players declare for the NFL draft, they are added to your NFL team. And so championship week for a lot of folks who've made the championships. We're going to just go through the players that have carried you all of, all of the way uh, to the championship game and just give a quick synopsis on how much time they have left, eligibility left. Should we just go one at a time, Matthew? Yeah, we can do that. I yeah. start and then you. Okay. Drake made 485 fantasy points. The quarterback there had an excellent season, even though he didn't finish as hot in the last two weeks as he started off. He has one year of eligibility. Well, his third year of eligibility will be next year. He could declare for the NFL draft after next year, but he's going into uh, 2023 as probably the QB2 for a lot of people. Drake may one year left and it's going to be a race between he and Caleb Williams for that number one spot. 
Yeah, I mean, if Caleb keeps playing the way he's playing, I don't know if it'll be a race, but he is he's definitely locked in at least as the QB2. Next up, Austin Reed uh, for Western Kentucky. We we knew we wanted the quarterback in this offense. Uh, we were very high on Jared Dogie coming into the season. Austin Reed ends up getting this job. He finished with 476 points. Um, he only does have one year left of eligibility. So if you were able to get him off the waiver wire, you've got one more year to ride him. Uh, you know, Matt Waldman, who you do the podcast with on, on Wednesdays, his, his RSP cast, they each brought up the fact that some people had reached out to him that Austin Reed was possibly impressing some people in NFL draft circles. So we'll see what happens with them. I do expect him to come back for one more year at Western Kentucky. Clayton Toon won me a championship, not by uh, uh, not himself, but throwing to Matthew Golden and Nathaniel Dell. Tank Dell there in Houston, 467 fantasy points. He's got no eligibility left. He's headed to the NFL draft. Next up was Bo Nix, who had an amazing season. The transfer out of Auburn, 467.85. He does technically have one year left of eligibility. It'll be a big thing to figure out if he's going to go to the NFL draft or not. Obviously, tough loss today. We'll probably find out probably in the next couple of weeks if he's going to end up declaring for the NFL draft or not. Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, 463 fantasy points. He's got one year left. He's going to be a top five NFL draft pick, locked and loaded. If you have him in your C2C leagues, you got to feel pretty good about your quarterback position. Yeah, and I, I should point out that this was before the game tonight. So Caleb does technically jump up to QB2 on the season. So is Drake May and Caleb Williams. Those two are going to be compared to each other a lot over the next year. Uh, number five, or I'm sorry, number six here was Frank Harris, the quarterback out of UTSA. He finished with 428 points. Now he is out of eligibility. So unfortunately, going on to the NFL, don't really see any NFL future with him. So hopefully he was able to help you win a championship this year. So you're probably not getting much out of him after this. I think Frank Harris is a potential position switch candidate. I left lefty lefty quarterback, but I think that he could play uh, wide receiver at the next level. You know, we've seen Braxton Miller attempt to make that switch to pride. I think Frank Harris is next. Now I know we haven't seen that uh, recently, but I would keep an eye on Frank Harris. I think he's very athletic. That brings us to Dorian Thompson Robinson, UCLA, 407 fantasy points. He's going to be declaring for the NFL draft. That brings us to Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, who unfortunately tore his ACL last week. 383.75 points. Probably finishes a little bit higher if he was able to play tonight, especially with the way that Joe Milton played. Um, he has already said he's going into the NFL draft, so probably going to be at least a day two pick, so you will get some kind of NFL upside out of him moving forward. C.J. Stroud doesn't finish the season strong. Uh, 382 fantasy points. Uh, he has another year of eligibility left, but uh, we have to expect that C.J. Stroud is going to declare for uh, for this year's draft. At number nine, Max Dugan, TCU, 380 points. The same thing earlier we talked about with uh, Western Kentucky quarterback Austin Reed. He was not actually the starter. Went to Chandler Morris. He got injured in that game against Colorado. Props to Max Dugan for not transferring out, sticking it out. Ends up being one of the top scorers for you on your CFF side. And a big question with him as well. One year left of eligibility, but after the season he just had, does he end up going into the NFL or does he stay one more year with TCU? Riley Leonard at Duke. I picked him up off of the waiver wire to start late in the season. 377 fantasy points. He has at least two years left. The dual threat skill set. Let's see what happens with him. He's starting to make nice throws. I'm not saying that he's an NFL player. I'm just saying watch out for Riley Leonard. And if you have him on the college side, you're going to be starting him uh, next season. 
And last but not least, Sam Hartman, Wake Forest, 372.45. He is also out of eligibility, but it's great to see him be able to bounce back after the health issue earlier this year um, with the blood clotting stuff. Came back and had a phenomenal season. Finished strong with, I believe, 40 points today. Really good season for him. Let's go to running back, Matthew. Is that cool? Yep, let's do it. Running back, B. John Robinson. He's going to be a top 15 NFL draft pick, 326 Fantasy points, he can run, he can catch. He's the RB1 in college. He's going to be the RB1 in the NFL in just about six months or so. Yeah. Israel Abanaconda, shout out to Austin, who has been talking about him before he was even the starter. Massive season here. Now, some of that obviously coming to the injury earlier in the year to the to the starter whose name is escaping me at the moment. But still, he took took stranglehold of this job, did not let it go. 302.2 points. Big year for him. And again, same thing. Has the ability to go to the NFL this year. If he wants, does technically have one year of eligibility left. Probably hoping he comes back because we know Pitt wants to run the ball. You could probably get another good season out of him next year. Zillian Valade, the transfer from what? Wyoming to Arizona State. He keeps it going at Arizona State. I didn't even realize this. 295 yards, 295 fantasy points. He's out of eligibility. He'll be going to the NFL. Yeah, there's a couple guys in this RBs that I was kind of surprised were all the way up there. And Valid yes. is one of them. I did not realize yes. he was having this good of a season. Chase Brown for Illinois, 289.3 points. Uh, he does technically have his COVID year of eligibility left, but I do expect him to go into the NFL after a year that he just had. I, I don't know that he's able to kind of reproduce that next season, but you do technically have one more year left of it. Carson Steele left his matching game last week, so I didn't start him this week. That's going to cost me at least one championship. 288 uh, fantasy points, two years of eligibility left. He was in my top 30 or so at running back. And I was in coming into the season, and I was mocked and ridiculed for it. He might even have an NFL future. Thor, he, he is a wonderful, wonderful player. Zach Charbonnet, UCLA, 287 points. He is also out of eligibility. Wasn't going to be coming back even if he had a year with the year he's had. Same thing. He's going to the NFL, probably going to end up being a day two pick. Muhammad Abraham, what Achilles injury are we talking about here? 281 fantasy points. He's out of eligibility. He's going to the NFL system, no matter whether or not he has the traits that the NFL is looking for, but he'll find himself on a roster somewhere. I think he compares favorably to someone like Kennedy Brooks. Dwayne McBride, Chris Moxley, and your boy there. Moxley, I believe, at the beginning of the year said that he could lead college in rushing. I don't know that he's going to do that, but he had a phenomenal season here for UAB. 280 points. Technically still has one year left of eligibility. I'll be very curious to see what he does this draft season. I've been talking about Dwayne McBride since last season when he was playing well, so Georgia. Moxley. The second most. Moxley, uh, listen, Moxley I got the liked him a lot too. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. Z5 running back, he played very well as a freshman. Uh, UAB is one of those teams that lies about height and weight. I remember thinking that Austin Watkins was like 6'3", 215. He measured in at 6'1", like 190. So that is something to keep keep in, uh, keep in mind. Blake Horm at Michigan didn't finish the season due to injury. Uh, 277 fantasy points. He does have one year of eligibility left. So if he doesn't get the draft grade that he likes, could he return for uh, another season? 
Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina, 271 points this year, does uh, have two years left of eligibility and pulled in Alvin Kamara from last year. If you started him, I believe you put up over 50-something points today, uh, so he likely won you a championship if you played him today. Congratulations to anybody who played him. I, I mean, it's not even fair that I'm taking this next player, Matthew. Quinshawn Judkins, uh, 270 fantasy points. He has two years left. People are th- are considering him to be the number one running back in the 2025 class ahead of Nick Singleton. Wherever you have him, you're going to be starting. He's not even going to have Zach Evans in the backfield uh, next year. They've locked up Lane Kiffin. He's going to be playing in the same system. Quinshawn Judkins might be the RB1 overall, at least in college fantasy uh, production next season. Yeah, he he is another one that I was very surprised to see up here. Not the freshman any of us thought was going to be on the top of this list coming into the season. Just props to him for the season that he's had. Uh, Number 12 on the year, Raheem Sanders finished with 267.7 points. He does have technically technically two years left of eligibility. I I would be very surprised if he doesn't come out to the NFL draft last year. Going to be some very big discussions next year with that draft class with him, Travion Henderson, Will Shipley, who is the RB1 in that 2024 class. There's the phrase, I don't want to toot my own horn. No, I want to toot our horn here at Camps to Canton. These last two players, Raheem Sanders and Quinshawn Judkins, if you have been listening to our content, consuming our content, you've had these players rostered. You drafted them in freshman drafts. They were not on the waiver. You prioritized them. Raheem Sanders was somebody we flag planted last year. Quinshawn Judkins, a player that you flag planted this year. So, I mean, we are making some excellent calls, if I don't say so, uh, myself with some of these these players that as freshmen we're telling you that you need to go pick up Matthew you ready to go to the wide receiver here yep thank you to Kyle Francis for telling me about uh Nathaniel Tank Dell he's the number one wide receiver won me I think if as long as his score didn't change won me a fantasy championship uh this year 360 336 of fantasy points. He's out of eligibility. I saw him compared to Darnell Mooney uh, by a draft Nick earlier today. I like that comparison. I think that Nathaniel Dell has an NFL future. He's probably going to be a day three NFL draft pick, but I'm going to pay attention to him. Finishing second, came out of nowhere, Chuck Sizzle, Charlie Jones, Purdue wide receiver, transferred in from Iowa to play with his roommate, Aiden O'Connell, 296.5 points. He is also out of eligibility. Don't know that he's got a ton of NFL future. I've been told he's actually pretty good on special teams, so probably makes an NFL roster, but you're not going to be able to use him anymore on your CFF teams. Uh, Rache Rice, who's going to the NFL uh, Rhett Lashley, Rhett Lashley there in uh, at SMU coming from Sunny Dyke system. Um, their wide receivers put up points. I forget the name of the wide receiver from last season uh, who, who uh, had a prolific season. Anyway, 287.5 fantasy points. He's also headed to the NFL. Next up, Jalen Hyatt, 283.7 points. Technically has one year left of eligibility. I expect him to go into the NFL draft, and I am, since you got to toot your own horn. Someone else tweeted out a fact that they thought Jalen Hyatt was going to be the wide receiver to roster in Tennessee, not Cedric Tillman, who was kind of the consensus at uh, ten, uh, at Campus to Kent earlier in the season. I'll let you guys go search Jalen Hyatt and possible mentions by one sports fanatic MB in the summertime and see maybe who was propping him up, but great season for him. He he's looked phenomenal here in the back half. Don't know if he gets first or second round draft capital, but could possibly be a day two guy. 
Zach Kittle at Texas Tech is the offensive coordinator we, where we need to consider his tree, so to speak. Uh, he leaves uh, part of his coaching staff there at Western Kentucky. So Malachi Corley, 270 fantasy points. He has one year left to be there with Austin Reed. Fire him up as a wide receiver yeah. one next season. Hopefully you have the stack of Austin Reed and Malachi Corley. Could end up being the wide receiver one next year. Marvin Harrison Jr., 262.9 points. Technically does have two years left of eligibility. Would be supremely surprised if he does not go out to the NFL after next year. Phenomenal season for him, especially when you go and look at the fact that he wasn't being used as the number one option earlier in the season. Really kind of turn it on in the second half. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, 200. In 60 fantasy points, he's out of eligibility, but he's going to be an NFL draft pick. The question is, is uh, who replaces him at Iowa State? Zay Flowers, Boston College, 250.55. He is also out of eligibility, but thank you to Zay Flowers, who helped win me a championship this week. Uh, very interesting player. Seems to be very split in the draft committee. We'll be going to the NFL draft. Some think he's a day two pick. Some think he's a day three. We'll be intrigued to see what happens with him in April. Josh Downs is a player that I think is going to be a first-round NFL uh, selection. I think he's going to go at the end of the first round. He's a slot-wide receiver, but if you can also stretch the field, I think that you could probably uh, move him outside. The NFL missed on Tyler Lockett. I think that Josh Downs compares very favor favorably to Tyler Lockett. 248 fantasy points. He does have another year of eligibility left. I, there's no way that he's coming back to that. Number 10, Emeka Egbuka for Ohio State, 247 points. He does technically have two years left of eligibility. The only two teammates in this draft, both from Ohio State. And Emeka Egbuka will be very intriguing to see what happens with, with him and Marvin Harrison next year, especially if Julian Fleming comes back. But uh, should have a phenomenal year regardless of who the starting quarterback is for the Buckeyes. I'm getting surprised by some of these names here myself. I thought that Colorado State was having a terrible season, but here's Torrey Horton, the transfer from uh, Nevada, played with Carson Strong last season, 247 fantasy points there with uh, Jay Norvell at Colorado State. He has one year left of eligibility, and uh, maybe, maybe I need to take a second look at Colorado State. And last but not least, Keelan Stokes out of Tulsa, 244.5 points. He is also out of eligibility. And again, thank you to him, who is also a big key member of one of my championship teams. Him, uh, amazing season. Don't think he's got much of an NFL future, though. Tight ends, you better have started Michael Mayer, Jaheim Bell. Um, who else was uh, – we didn't pull out tight ends, but uh, that, they that don't, Brock they don't. Bowers. Yeah, Brock, it's really those three. There's not much else. I mean, the the, the Ellis, who was it? The Louisiana State kid who I started all year, did absolutely nothing, and then went off last week after I was already knocked out of all my championships. You mentioned you liked him. I can't remember what his name is now for the life is of me. Beck, is it, who's a no, wide receiver? He's technically a tight end, but he's like the size of a wide receiver. I cannot remember his name. He's out of eligibility, too, so he'll be going to the hmm. NFL. I'll have to look it up. All right, Matthew, let's talk about these games a little bit more. Um, Ohio State loses again. No Ohio State loses again to Michigan. Who's to blame for this loss? So when I saw this question on the sheet, I, I was trying to think of how to answer it. And, and the easiest way for me to put this is I don't want to be disrespectful at all to Michigan, who deserves this. So I will say that 
there's nobody to blame Jim Harbaugh and his staff completely out coach Ryan day in his staff. That's the honest answer there. If I had to give an answer of who to blame it's, it has to be Ryan day, regardless of what you want to say, blame coordinators for the way the defense went. anything else. This is the second year in a row that this has happened. Practically the same outcome. They ran it all over him. What did Cade McNamara do last year too? He had a couple big plays over the top to beat that defense. There's nothing that has changed here. Ryan Day at points in this game coached safe and to not lose the game, and he ended up doing that anyways. You could see how physically upset C.J. Stroud was on a couple of those times where it was like fourth and two, fourth and three, and Ryan Day chose not to go for it and punt the ball. I don't know what's going on with all this stuff. It is it is what it is, but I think we need to not necessarily blame anybody on Ohio State side because it's, it's a full blame on oh, everybody, yeah, Stroud. Well, no, I'm saying like Stroud, it's it's on the whole team. There's not one person you can blame, but I don't want to take when in saying that I don't want to take credit away from Jim Harbaugh and what he's been able to do. Because let's be, we were sitting on Debbie debate at fast forward a couple months, year from then, talking about how he was on the hot seat and might be fired from Michigan based on what he did this year. And he only goes out there and has another undefeated season. Likely, <laughs> there's no way they lose next week. He's going to be in the playoff and. Let's also be honest. If USC and TCU are the two teams that finish out, we're likely going to see a Georgia and Georgia or USC, because that's probably USC is going to be a four against Michigan. Michigan's not going to lose to TCU. So Michigan will be in the national championship game. Like the, congratulations to them and everything that they've accomplished this two years. It, it has been amazing for him. So that's why I said, I don't want to blame anybody on Ohio state side. I think it's a hundred percent. The credit is due to Jim Harbaugh and this coaching staff for what they've been able this to is do. A, they had this, this is number. a short, this is a shorter side. I think Jim fired. I don't think that you can recruit successfully with the way that they play offense, and you need to win with quarterbacks and wide receivers, and they still can't uh, recruit them. Michigan, after the season that they had last year, beating Ohio State, getting to the playoff, their class is still only the number 21 class uh, in the country. It, it started off at like 50. They can't get Dante Moore to commit to them. They can't get Lloyd Carr's grandson. To go to that school, it's like winning is bad for Michigan because they can't get away from Jim Harbaugh. I know that that doesn't make sense. Who's to blame? Matthew, it's Jim uh, Knowles. It's Jim Knowles. They weren't even disguising the fact that they were going to be blitzing, that there was going to be no safety back there. It's like when you look at the coverage and you're on Madden, it's like, are they really about to blitz everyone and just let me see? I mean, it's the it's the easiest diagnosis that you could see that there's no safety out there, that they're in man. And it's super easy to beat. Their corners were playing press. You convert to goes and that's it. I mean, I think that that that's an automatic conversion. Uh, I know it was for me at Grand Valley. It's probably in a lot of high school systems. You see no safety. You are that outside. Those outside wide receivers are automatically converting to goes. And I don't care how good your cornerbacks are. That's just not something today's game where we're just going to play zero coverage, like not in the red zone, like it just in the field, like between the 20s. You don't see that. I, if I was the defensive coordinator, I would have made J.J. McCarthy beat me, but not in one shot. He would have had to do a 12, 13, 15 drive. I have no idea what it is that they thought that they were doing. I would have played coverage. I would have played zone. And I would have I would have tried to stop the run with 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 the with my front seven and not bring a safety down. I don't understand what it is that they were doing. I'm I, again, I agree. I believe 
that a, a high school quarterback could have made the throws that J.J. McCarthy did today because it was very easy to see. They weren't diagnosing it. They were even talking about it on the broadcast. And they get a lot of things wrong on the broadcast. They were even talking about the way that Ohio State was playing defense. I have no idea why they were playing that way. I didn't think that they would have that big of a problem. And quite frankly, like I would have had – if I had to choose between giving up one long touchdown or uh, giving up a 12-play drive where I'm getting gashed, you know, five, six, seven yards at a time, at least if I'm getting gashed five, six, seven yards at a time, I have the next down to try to figure it out. When you give up a 75-yard touchdown, that's it. The ball goes back uh, to your offense. So I think it was a poor game plan on Jim Knowles' part to say, all right, we're going to let J.J. McCarthy beat beat us. And he did time and time again. And quite frankly, if you're going to blitz and play no safety, most quarterbacks – who are playing football at any level, if they are protected, can make those throws. It's Jim Knowles' fault. Um, I, I don't – I want to say I don't necessarily disagree with that. The thing is, they couldn't stop the run even when they switched up their defense coming out of halftime. And after that, yeah, J.J. McCarthy took that offense on an eight-minute drive, bled out almost the entire third clock, third o'clock, and then still scored a touchdown. So, like, they – my biggest complaint about them has always been and this is why I put it on Ryan Day, because it's a systemic issue. We had this issue last year as well. They do not make adjustments for whatever reason. It takes way too long for them to figure out what they're doing, either on offense and defense, and they do not make adjustments. You don't see these issues typically with an Alabama team. Typically, when you see them doing something against you in the first half, Alabama fixes it. In the second half, Georgia's shown the ability to fix it. In the second half, Ryan Day, this two years in a row, against Oregon and Michigan last year, and now against Michigan this year, and for the most part, Penn State. C.J. Stroud didn't have the amazing drive he did in the fourth quarter to win them that game. They don't make any adjustments. I'll be very curious to see what happens next year. I That's why I say it's, a, in my opinion, a collective blame on the entire Ohio State team, not just Jim Knowles. I'm blaming Jim Knowles. Uh, Matthew, let's go here to rumors that are circulating regarding transfer, uh, tra- one particular transfer portal a player to enter the transfer portal. Braylon Allen did not yet play today. It was Wisconsin running back. And the rumor was circulating that he could go either to Michigan or USC. Which of those do you think is the better destination for him? So this is a very intriguing question because I actually don't think there's a wrong answer here. Um, Michigan, I do think, would be good just because we've seen what Blake Corman, even Donovan Edwards have been able to do. And Braylon Allen is, is a much better hammer than Blake Corum is, and I think he would fit that offense fairly well. I actually kind of like the destination of USC for him a little bit more, though. I think there's a little bit more luster on the USC name, although it may be changing with the two years into the playoffs and, again, a possible national championship berth for Michigan. But Lincoln Riley, for, for all this talk that we do about him being a passing quarterback, if you really go back and look at what he's done at Oklahoma and even this year at USC, when he gets a running back that he believes in, they are the guy. And he is not afraid to throw the ball to them as well. And that's I was going to say that. It's kind of been the big knock on Braylon now. It's like we need to see more receiving from him. I would not yeah. be surprised if he goes to USC that they use him a little bit more in the in the receiving game. And we've seen no offense to Travis Dyer, Austin Jones. I mean, I picked Austin Jones to be my breakout this year at our running back summit. Braylon Allen is better, much better than both of them. So I think him going to USC would be a really big deal. And it would, in my opinion, almost make that USC offense unstoppable. So I would like him to go to USC, but I don't think there's a wrong answer. 
my uh, my answer had originally been Michigan, but when I think about what Lincoln Riley did with Ramondre Stevenson, who really he's even though Ramondre Stevenson is a similar sized player, he is not a, a, a play style comparison to Braylon Allen, even though they're they're similar sizes. Braylon Allen is very much a locomotive who needs to get running, but we need to see him improve in the passing game. And if he can go to a USC and show that he can be utilized in the passing game and play with Caleb Williams, and we know that Lincoln Riley is going to have some other players uh, in the transport, that might elevate his his draft stock. I mean, we might be talking about a, a player who could be taken in the second round. And, you know, the second round, I think, is like the equivalent of the first round for running backs unless you are exceptional. And if you are in a C2C league, you want to see your running backs, your college running backs, get the highest draft capital than they can. I don't know after this season that Braylon Allen is like locked in for day two draft capital. Maybe he's a third round player, but I don't know that he's locked in. If he goes to USC and has success and has the success that Ramondre Stevenson did, has the success that Kennedy Brooks did, then we're probably talking about a second round player. So I'm going to agree with you and say that, um, that it's USC. Matthew, speaking of the 2023 season, whose stock do you think is going to jump the most between the end of this season and the end of the 2023 season? So I've got a couple names and, and probably uh, some top end names, some that you will probably not recognize. Javante Barnes. Uh, we've got Eric Gray, who's actually been fairly good at the back end of this season, is likely going on to the NFL draft. We saw Barnes earlier in the year, looked really good. I think he probably takes over that backfield. This is a big name, but I'm going to use it in a comparison to a Drake May, Drew Alar. Mm-hmm. We have seen him come out there and have a little bit of flashes, and we there's been some people who have questioned, maybe he's not quite the guy that we thought he was, couldn't beat out Sean Clifford, blah, blah, blah. If he goes out there and has a Drake May type season for Penn State, I, I said earlier on Debbie Debate this or past week on Thanksgiving that I thought they might be one of the best, if not the best offense in the Big Ten because of him. I think he could really see his stock rise between this time now and next year. EJ Smith, running back for Stanford, was looking really good before his injury. That running back class, I think there's a lot of questions outside of Raheem Sanders. You just talked about Braylon Allen might transfer. Travion Henderson has practically not played this year. Will Shipley, we have questions about. EJ Smith looked really good before the injury. I wonder if he could end up vaulting forward. Connor Wigman, another one for me, played decently tonight. Really want to see what happens with that Texas A&M offense. Would love for him to go get a Jeff Grimes or Zach Kitley and just open up this offense with him and Evan Stewart, especially with all the rumors that they might be transferring. Um, one that I know nobody is probably talking about, Alex Broom, the running back for Boston College, who is actually sitting right now with a top 15 dominator rating in the freshman class. He got a lot of work here at the end for Boston College. He's a guy who's likely available on your waiver wires and a guy that I would definitely try and pick up. He might be a sneaky stash. Another freshman wide receiver I think we could see vaulted forward. He started leading the wide receiver group for a team that nobody's talking about and had a very good season. 
very, very good weighted dominator rating. Jaden McCowan, the wide receiver for Vanderbilt, has looked really good yes. the past couple games. I think he's a guy who the offense will now flow through. They've been kind of a run-heavy team with Ray Davis. He's gone. I don't think he's got even any more eligibility. And A.J. Swan and those guys have looked much better passing the ball. Mike Wright as well, uh, whoever ends up winning that starting job. I think that he could be the recipient of that. And last but not least, Justice Ross Simmons. And I forgot the team that he played on. I wrote it down and accidentally deleted it, but I want to say it is Colorado State who has actually stepped up with Dante Wright going out. That Okay, yeah, he stepped up with Dante Wright going out. He's a much bigger player than Dante Wright, listed at 6'1", 210. I think him and Torrey Horton, I think maybe we were just a year early on that Colorado State offense. You just mentioned Torrey Horton was actually finished as a top 12 wide receiver. I think this offense could get it going next year. Justice Ross Simmons, a freshman who has really kind of come on and surprised here the past couple weeks. T.J. McGowan, the, the Vanderbilt wide receiver. I don't know if he's a redshirt freshman or a true freshman, but he is amongst the leaders in the country in receiving for freshmen. Yeah. So uh, if he's a second-year player, you know that's a little bit, a little bit of a difference. But he is one who's caught my eye, and I at least have a star next to his, his name in all of my watch lists. Uh, that's a good list. I'm going to give you some others. Dominic Lovett at Missouri. He is overshadowed by Luther Burden there at Missouri. He's a better player than Luther Burden, at least right now. I'm not sure why more people are not talking about him. He's had some explosive games. Taylon Green, uh, the quarterback at Boise State, 6'6", 220 pounds. I think he's a redshirt freshman, will be a third-year player next year. He's been getting it done on the ground, getting it done through the air. I want to see his development uh, next year. Jonathan Brooks at Texas. We thought that it would be Jaden Blue who would take over. Roshan Johnson and John Robinson were there. Jonathan Brooks is the one who's uh, third on the team in carries. He's ahead of Blue, at least at this point. I think that we need to watch out for him if he's the starting running back in the Steve Sarkeesian offense. TJ Hart at UCLA. Um, we want Chip Alley's running back. The system has new players going back to, oh, I forget. Uh, the little running back's name um, uh, for Oregon under Chip Kelly. Anyway, uh, but Chip Kelly has producing running backs for a long time. TJ Harden, a three-star prospect who looks very much like Zach Charbonnet. 6'1", 6'2", something like that, 220 pounds. Uh, could he be take over the reins for, for Chip Kelly there? And then Brent Robinson. I know that this is a guy who's already in the top 20-ish of our running back rankings at, at, at Georgia. But when he's gotten in, he's looked very much like, and I always forget the superhero's name uh, from the X-Men who just runs through juggernaut. walls and he can't. He's not, he's, not super, he's a villain, but yeah, Juggernaut. Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a villain, Juggernaut. Uh, Branson Robinson looks like he might be a problem. And that Georgia offense is always going to rely on the running game. Um, I, now that I think about it, who's going to play quarterback for Georgia next year? Is it going to be Carson? Are we turning to, Car- no, to Carson it, back it, era? It's it's got to go to um, goodness. His name is is jumping out of my head. But the the five the star that they landed they, this year, I would I would hope he ends up getting yeah. the job. Can't for the life okay. of me remember his name. Uh, but just to, to mention, Jaden McCowan is a true freshman. He was in the twenty twenty two class, so he is a true, true freshman. freshman. A smaller, a small, a tiny player. Um, yeah, but 
true freshman who's producing there at Vanderbilt. All right, Matthew, best new coaching match. You got Kenny Dillingham. Let's be quick with this one. Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State, Matt Rule at Nebraska, and Hugh Freeze. I don't know if that's one that's been, has been announced yet, but Lane Kiffin had said he's going back to Old Miss. So it looks like it's Hugh Freeze at Auburn, which is the best match. Yeah, Hugh Freeze, uh, so apparently him and Auburn have been discussing um, length and salary terms. So that seems like it's practically done. And Gunnar Stockton is the quarterback that I was trying to mention. Yes. For me, it's got to be Rule or Dillingham. And I'll go with Rule because I know what he is. Um, Dillingham is very exciting going to Arizona State. He's actually from there. I don't believe he played there, but he graduated from Arizona State or right in that area. So he has ties there. I don't think Dion goes to Colorado, so that's kind of why I wouldn't pick him, but I do think he would be a very fun hire wherever he goes. Rule to Nebraska, he builds programs. He built up Temple to a very good school in the G5 when when he was there, and then he goes and takes over at Baylor after the Bryles uh, scandal and everything going on there. Baylor practically got the new age death sentence because of that, and Matt Rule came in there and built them into what Dave Aranda took over and has continued moving forward with. I think Matt Rule will be able to go into Nebraska, and he won't be Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, but I do think he could jump up in the second tier of like an Iowa, a Purdue, and be right there in like that second group, and I would not be surprised with the 12-team playoff coming here in the next couple years if a Matt Rule-led Nebraska makes the playoffs at some point down the line because he just coaches very good teams, and he's able to get the best out of those three and four stars, which Nebraska should be able to get with him going there. I'm going to agree with you on Matt Rule, but it's because I think that he might be a, a better recruiting draw than either Dillingham or Hugh Freeze. Now, Hugh Freeze has been around for a while. Kenny Dillingham just kind of making a name for himself going from Auburn to uh, Oregon and now to Arizona State. We've seen Matt Rule's face on NFL sidelines for the last couple of years. We know what he did at the two programs that you previously mentioned. I think that's, that is going to play with recruits. So if I had to bet on one of these three guys uh, recruiting at the highest level uh, between the three of them, I think that it's Matt Rule. Now let's not forget, Hugh Freeze at Auburn is going to have Texas and Oklahoma to compete with here in a few years. So that's a, a really tough spot in the SEC anyway. I'm going to go with Matt Rule uh, there at Nebraska. All right, Matthew, we're getting close to the end of the show. Let's check in with the left coast games here Washington and Washington State that's a tight game Washington playing for the uh, the Pac-12 championship I don't know if you've got that one up just yet can you tell me what the score is and how is it looking I do. So I've actually been watching it the entire time. It is 28 to 24 right now with a minute left. Uh, Washington State and Cam Ward are driving there on the uh, they're on their 25-yard line, so they've got a ways to go with a minute left to drive down the field. Michael Penix, though, has been having a good day from what I've seen. He's already got Roma Dunze over 100 yards and a touchdown. Penix has a rushing touchdown as well. He has a touching pe- touchdown to Jalen Polk. Unfortunately, Jalen McMillan not doing a lot. I know you said I was up a lot of points, but I am starting to get a little bit nervous regardless because Roma Dunze's already put up 20 points, but... That is neither here nor there. Uh, they are, though, uh, still got an entire half to play. It has been a very close game. Washington State was actually leading early before Penix went on a couple scoring drives, um, unmatched points there for Washington State. We'll see what happens. Again, as you mentioned, Washington wins this game. They're in the Pac-12 championship next week against USC. Championship week is next week. We will be here for tailgate in the morning. Not so sure if we will be here for college fantasy tonight, but we'll let you know 
until then, uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs>